What's happening team? Welcome to the Type 1 Movement Podcast where I'm going to be sharing with you my tips, tricks and stories to help you lead the healthiest life possible as a Type 1 diabetic. I'm your host, Type 1 Tom. Just a quick disclaimer, any advice that I give will not overpower your medical professional, so please consult with them first if you're thinking of making any changes. Yo, what is happening? Welcome to another episode of the Type 1 Movement Podcast. Good episode today, going to be about living on your own as a Type 1, living on your own as a Type 1 diabetic, but... Excuse me, I am. I apologise for that because I'm still getting over, well I feel like I'm more in the thick of it, a cold or a flu or whatever it is, so going to be a few coughs and a few snorts, I do apologise on this like we did in the last episode, but I do want to say thank you for tuning in, thanks for listening, thanks for being here. Before we get started, as always team, please leave me a rating and a review on the podcast app. I think you can only do it on iTunes. You've got to scroll all the way down to the bottom. We've got about 140-odd episodes, but I really do appreciate that because it's going to help me reach more type 1 diabetics, spread some love, spread some knowledge and education, and positively impact our community. Also, give it a screenshot, whether that's whatever you're listening to on iTunes, Spotify, whatever your poison is, and share it on your Instagram stories and tag me at type 1 underscore Tom. So, (coughs) excuse me. I thought, you know what, I've lived by myself for five weeks now, not long in the grand scheme of things, but there's a few things I've learned as a type one, and it, it's, it's, it's scary, it can be scary, right, at first, can be scary, there's no one around, you're on your own, you're thinking about the what ifs, you know what I mean, what if you have a really bad low, and there's no one there to help me, um, so it can be pretty fucking scary, and... This is also, I don't think it's something that's spoken about by DSNs or endos or any doctors. When we're diagnosed, right, we're given insulin, we're given a brief overview of what diabetes is, type 1 diabetes and how it works. But we're not told, we might be told how to carb count a little bit, getting more knowledge that we we account for fats and proteins, but we're not really told how to go about life. Do you know what I mean? How to go about life, like relationships, alcohol, drugs when I did an episode on that, living by yourself sex we're not told about life yeah pretty much so i thought <coughs> excuse me why not do an episode on what i found as living on my own as a type of diabetics in the, in, the, in the last sort of five weeks it's been now now i understand why some dsns and endos and doctors don't advise us on these certain life criteria because they ain't in a book and unfortunately unless you are a type 1 diabetic it's things like living on your own if unless you've experienced it that you can't can't really write a book on it if you're not a type 1 right so i'm going to take this sort of this opportunity to go through <laughs> what i've found over the past 5 weeks what my scares were and how i kind of put things in place to kind of ease some of that 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 worry if you like now like I say, unless you are a type one, you can't really advise people on this. And I think you will get a lot from this episode. So like I say, I was scared moving out. I remember speaking to my mum and I was like, you know what? <coughs> you know what, mum? Excuse me, coughing. There's something that I've never thought about. Something I've never worried about in my whole 13, 14 years now being a type one. And that was what happens if we have a low overnight and sort of, or a high pole that's I need assistance and there's no one there to assist me. Why? Because I've lived with people. I've lived with mum and dad. I've lived with exes, mates. Like, there's always been someone in the house. If anything was to go wrong, touch wood, touching my desk right now for those on the podcast who can't see it, 
there's going to have always been someone there that can help me, that have known that I've been a type one, right? So moving into this house all by myself, there's no one here. So it was pretty fucking scary. Yes, I've never had an unassisted hypo, touch wood. I've never had an unassisted hypo. I've got great hypo awareness. I wake up when I'm low, but some type ones don't. I've worked with type ones who don't. And that can be even more scary than having hypo awareness, knowing you can treat it, you wake up with it. But if you've not got it, hypo awareness, it can be really fucking scary. And it can be scary anyway. Like, I'm, I don't, nothing really about type 1 diabetes worries me. And I'll be honest, don't want to sound like a dick because I've got great control. I've got the knowledge, I've got the skills to control it. But it was a worry moving in here. What if I have a severe low and I can't deal with it? Do you know what I mean? What if there's no one around? What the fuck am I going to do? So, I'm going to give you some ways that I'm staying safe. <coughs> Excuse me. Have a drink, get rid of that fucking tickly cough. I'm going to give you some, some ways that I'm staying safe and that hope, hopefully you'll get, you'll get something from this. You'll get something from this. Because I think it's all about keeping ourselves as safe as possible, especially when we're living on our own with this condition. So the first one is, the first one is, this is probably the most important one. Tell your neighbours. Tell your neighbours. Now, my neighbours have only lived here. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, I do apologise about these coughs. I am ill. I did debate whether coming on or not, but I wanted to still be there and show up for you guys. So my neighbours have only lived here for a couple of weeks. I spent three weeks by myself on my street with no fucker about, except, except the workmen through the day. Like, no one lived on my street. So I've only got neighbours next to me. Now, that's all that's on the street. And they come round for a drink the other night. I was having a chat and I said, look, guys, I, I want to, you might think this is a bit weird, but I want to tell you something. And he was like, oh my God, what, what's this dude going to fucking tell us? Um, I don't know if they're going to listen to this, but guys, sorry, like, I, had to, <laughs> I had to tell you. So they're looking at me, a lovely couple. Um, and they said, what? I said, well, I'm a type 1 diabetic. They was like, right, okay. And I said, obviously being here by myself, I want to tell you guys, because I want to tell you something to do to kind of stay safe myself. So I said to them, if you're ever around and my blinds aren't open um, by midday, like knock on the door, knock on the door if my blinds aren't open by midday. <laughs> and excuse me, that was just me staying safe and me covering my own back, right? So I will say if you're living by yourself, some people will be scared of doing this, but I'll be real with you. Is it more, is it scarier to go and tell your neighbours, look, I'm a tight one, if, like I've said, my blinds aren't open by midday, knock on? Or is it scarier of fucking having an a high point you need assistance with and passing out and someone eventually finding you days later? Just going to put it out there and be real, yeah? Which is the scariest? I know which fucking I prefer. I prefer, like I have done, to tell my neighbours. So if you are scared of it, just think, think, down, think ahead. Think of the purpose that you're going around to your neighbours and you're telling them that you're a tight one diabetic and you're setting a little... A little oaf with them, if you like, of, hey, if I'm not awake or something like with me, the blinds aren't open by this time, please knock on just to check on me, yeah? So that's the first thing. If you're friendly and pally with your neighbours, they're probably going to know your type one anyway. Educate them on it a little bit. <coughs> Excuse me, like we should always be doing with mates and friends and family members, what have you. So educate them on a little bit and just let them know what the crack is. If worst case scenario, like I've said to them, I don't answer, ring an ambulance straight away. Do you know what I mean? We, we need to prepare ourselves for the worst. Hopefully, touch wood, God send, it never happens to me and it never happens to you, but but you're giving yourself a safety blanket, right? So the first thing is, tell your neighbours. Tell your neighbours that you're type one. 
The next thing, if you're using a Dexcom or a Libra 2 or a CGM that has alarms on it, set alarms. If you're worried, <coughs> if you're worried about going low overnight and not waking up, set an alarm slightly on the higher end than what you would normally class as a hypo. I've had clients do this, yeah, and it gives you that bit of, you know, confidence, that relaxation that you go into bed, you know, let's say working in malls here, you normally put a hypo at, let's say, 4.5 or something. If you set it to 5, your alarm goes off, you wake up. Do you know what I mean? It gives you <coughs> that bit of confidence and that bit of a safety blanket, yeah? So set alarms if you're using a CGM. Me, personally, I don't use alarms, yeah? I'm still on the Libra 1 with a Mayo Mayo on it. I don't use alarms. Like, that's my personal opinion. I'm not saying you shouldn't, but it's something to do, especially if you have, like, <coughs> high point awareness. Set an alarm, yeah? It's another thing. The next thing what I found myself doing is keep hypo treatments in every single room. Well, the main rooms. So I have, thanks to my mother who bought me these when I moved in, a three kilogram bag of Jelly Babies in my kitchen. I have some little sandwich sealy bags and I filled packets up and I keep them around the house. So I've got some in the kitchen. I've also got some in my car. I keep some in my office, right here with me now. You guys on the video can see this. Some by my bed, yeah. I don't have any in the bathroom because I don't think I'm going to drop low like when I'm having a bath or a shower, hopefully not. But I keep them in the rooms that I'm in the most. Bedroom, kitchen, office. Yeah, so that's something that you could do. Like get your hypo treatments, whatever it is <coughs> that you use to treat a hypo, keep them in your room. So there, keep them in your room. The other thing, the other thing that you could do if you're living alone and you're a tight one and you're worried, um, and it's, this is good for you guys who don't have strong hypo awareness, is look into getting a diabetic alert dog. Two, two things there, I'm actually going to get a dog in the next couple of months, but two things. One, you've got a fucking companion, because it can get lonely living by yourself, I will tell you that straight up. So you've got a companion, you've got a buddy, do you know what I mean? Hey, you've got to love fucking dogs. And two, it's going to alert you. It's going to alert you if you're dropping low, especially if you're asleep. So the way that diabetics alert, do alert dogs work is when we drop low as type ones, we give off a certain scent, and these dogs can smell that scent. So they're going to bark or do what they need to do to wake you up. Yeah, to wake you up. So that's something <coughs> that might be worth looking into. If you're living by yourself, you've not got strong hypo-awareness, look into getting a diabetic alert dog. And the other thing, this is going to be the last one, and this is something that, living on your own or not, we should be doing to some form anyway. And that's having a routine. I say this to all my clients. Some are like, I can't really create a routine, this, that. We can have some sort of structure and some sort of routine. Well, why? <coughs> because... Having a routine as a type 1 diabetic makes it a little bit more predictable to know what your blood sugars are going to be at certain times throughout the day. So if you've got some sort of routine, you're like, right, I know I eat my dinner, I eat my last meal about 8, eight at night, and I'm going in bed, let's say 8, 9, 10, 11, 3 hours after it, yeah? And you do that consistently, um, you might be having similar meals, well, you don't always have to have similar meals, but you're going to bed on a certain level and you know, like, this is my routine, I roughly know... Everything's right, basal rate, I've bolus right for my last meal. I'm at this target now, I'm in range. I know my basal's gonna keep me stable overnight, cool. I know that because this is my routine. I've got some sort of structure. So that's a big one, team. Like, have some form of routine and some form of structure. I found, <coughs> I'm good with routines and have routines anyway, but I found it, it, since living on my own in the past five weeks, 
my routine I've really started to solidify it even more. Why? Because it gives me purpose throughout the day. It helps me predict what my glucose levels are going to be. And it helps move me forward towards my goals having a routine. Yeah. And it's the same with you, especially as type ones. But more so to the point on this, it's going to make your life a bit easier and your blood sugar is a bit more predictable if you can have some sort of routine. Then you're going to have a bit more confidence through living on your own, knowing roughly what your glucose levels are going to be. Yeah. So they're the things that I've kind of, they're probably going to be more and I may do like living on your own to type one fucking part two at some point. But they're the things that I've kind of been using as a sort of safety net and a bit of a confidence builder. First one is tell your neighbours. Create some sort of thing with your neighbours. Like I've said, hey, if my I'm type 1 diabetic, this is the crack with it. If my blind isn't open by midday and you're around, please knock on just to be on the safe side. Second one, set alarms. If you're using a CGM that runs off alarms and stuff, <coughs> and you can set alarms, set an alarm, but set it slightly higher than what you normally would class as a low. Or also you can do this on the high end as well. Do you know what I mean? Keep high, high pole treatments in every room. The other one, I've not done this, but I will be getting a dog. I'm not going to get a diabetic alert dog, though. I just personally don't want one. I'm just going to get a, a normal dog. You know what I mean? But yeah, you could get a diabetic alert dog. Look into that. You could build a strong case. Why not? Yeah. And then the last one is have some sort of structure. Have some sort of routine to make your life a little bit easier. Make your blood glucose levels a little bit more predictable. Team, that is it. Please give this a like. Give it a comment. Share it. Because I bet there's a lot of type 1 diabetics either living on their own or contemplating living on their own, but a little bit scared, probably for some of these reasons. So hopefully this will spread a little bit of knowledge, let people know what I'm doing, how I'm getting by on it, and hopefully so some of these can like progress in life, if you like. And Because and, at the end of the day, it's about not letting this condition hold us back from what we fucking want to achieve in life, right? And if you're like, I really want to live by myself, but I'm a tight one, I'm really, really, really worried... So have I been, but you've got to step into that shit sometimes and find ways of dealing with it. Like I found these ways over the past five weeks of easing my mind a little bit through being a tight one, yeah? So team, if you got value from this episode, please give it a like, give it a share. Also screenshot, share it on your Instagram stories, tag me at tight one underscore Tom. And thank you very, very much for listening. Hope you got value from this. Hope you have a fucking amazing day. And until the next episode, peace.